Good job. Thank you very much. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to Acts 4 as we look together at God's Word. Acts 4, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there are some, I think, in the pew in front of you there. Just grab one. Let's look at the Word together. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. New ideas always makes for enemies. Peter and John had a new message, a new idea, a new plan, a new way of looking at the whole world, a new way of looking at ourselves. And they were speaking of it. They were presenting it. They were pushing it forward strongly to the people of that day. The world is round. Copernicus said that many, many years ago, a new idea. And, of course, there were a lot of people that really upset them. They said, oh, the world is not round. We've known since the beginning of man that that the world was flat. And so a lot of people got real mad. Some people wanted to have him killed. Uh, Others wanted to just torture him a little bit. Uh, You know, it it was bad. He had a new idea. Someone then said, The earth travels around the sun. Oh, boy, that really caused a lot of flack. Uh, You know, Galileo said that everything revolved around the earth. He was wrong, but, uh, uh, you know, he came out with a new idea that led them, perhaps, to this second perspective, which was right. There are folks that uh, have said through the years, but when the first people started promoting this idea that all men are created equal. Boy, there were a lot of people that didn't like that. Guess who didn't like it? The despots, the dictators, the kings, the queens. They didn't think they were created equal with all those other people. They thought they were way up here, and those other people were way down here. And that's what they believed, and that's the way they lived, and that's the way the people lived. Someone said that we ought to have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Well, a lot of people didn't like that. You know, they argued and fussed and fumed about that. They didn't think that was right. They once again thought there was a privileged class that ought to live way up here uh, in a particular lifestyle that only they would enjoy. Ideas like these always make enemies and always get their promoters into trouble. Years ago, I was in single adult ministry in Dallas. In the late uh, 60s, early 70s, uh, I was involved in trying to draw single adults to church and to the Lord and to a Christian way of life. And I just couldn't believe the resistance that I had. 
there were some people in the church where I was serving that came up to me and said, we don't want all these singles here for crying out loud. You have to spend so much time counseling them. You know, they need a lot of counseling. We don't have time to do all that. That's just a lot of trouble. And some of the women said, I hope those single women don't go after my husband. (laughs) Well, you know, all kinds of uh, stuff was said, and I just kept working at it. And, of course, some people got real mad at me, and I just kept working at it. There was a guy that was the chairman of our deacons named Port Stages. I'll never forget him. Uh, Port said to me one day, you're just bringing all these people so they can hook up and go to bed together. And I said, no, that's really not what I'm doing. He said, yeah, that's what you're doing. I said, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. He said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to have a place where singles will feel at home, where singles will feel the love of the church, where singles can meet other Christian people and they'll have somebody to do things with and have fun with and our various classes can go out together and go here and go there. Port Stages wasn't convinced. I said, you know, Port, one day either you or your wife is going to die and the one that's left needs a group of people that will reach out to them and love them and care for them and try and take them under their wing. And that's what our single adult ministry is doing. He didn't say anything about it anymore, but I still don't think he liked it very much. (laughs) You know, if you come out with a new idea and you're doing a new thing, a lot of people really don't like that. Men habitually fear the thing that frees them. They prefer the known and the familiar to something that is new and different. The average man lacks the imagination to perceive and the courage to risk the unpopularity of a new idea. A new idea. There are those that have always responded to a new idea. Peter and John were a part of that. They were in a small company of men that certainly did have a new idea. The Messiah had come, and they wanted to tell everybody about it. The Messiah had unbelievable powers, and they wanted to tell everybody about it. The Messiah had given them powers that was unbelievable, and they wanted to demonstrate that so that through that they could lead people to Christ. Well, uh, they had a new idea. The idea was that Jesus could become their Lord and their Savior. That was the idea. The future to which the Jews had been looking for hundreds and hundreds of years, for the time when the Messiah would come, for the time when those prolonged days of agony without their Messiah were to be over. Well, all of a sudden... Peter and John were saying, it's happened, guys. It's happened. He is here. He is with us. He is leading us. And, of course, the crowds started to build, and people started to listen. It was not only a new idea. It was a new way of life. The whole thing was different. Well, as they came, as they preached, guess what? It made a lot of people mad. 
They were changing, changing the methodology of the temple. People were going outside of the temple to hear Peter and James preach and teach and heal and love. Jesus was the heart of it. He was the center of it. And that life must be lived not in the old terms of the law. This new life must be lived in the abundant life and in the love of Jesus. They not only had the idea in their minds, but they had it on their tongues. And they were sharing it with everybody that they met. So long as an idea is just talked about, the status quo won't react against it. But when the new idea is proposed as to be our practice in the future, boy, then it really gains a lot of conflict and adversity. So long as we just talk, we do little harm, they would think. When it once begins to demonstrate itself in miracles, as it did during these New Testament days, then the real trouble begins. You know, we've been living in a very political society this last year. Uh, You know, some people early on said, we need to get rid of the Department of Education. And a lot of people, you know, joined in and said, that's right, we need to get rid of the Department of Education. The grades are higher now, and the kids uh, know uh, less now than they did percentage-wise when uh, the Department of Education was founded. It hasn't helped. In fact, everything has gone down And it's worse now than then. We need to get rid of it. Well, there was a, guess what? There was tremendous resistance against that. A lot of people got in trouble. A lot of people got uh, cussed out. A lot of people got uh, pushed away, pushed to the side. They didn't want to hear that. Well, in the middle of the 19th century, no one minded when men said, we need to stop having slavery in our country. Well, when those same men took steps to get rid of slavery in the United States, guess what? The plantation people who needed, they thought, slaves to work in their fields, they revolted all over the country. And it was a big, big mess. It uh, caused a great war uh, to come along. It was a tremendous fight. The opposition was there. This new idea they wanted to stomp out. Most of current Christianity is just talk. Have you ever thought about that? A lot of people uh, talk about uh, their religion a little bit if you force them to. Uh, You know, they'll say a thing here, a thing there. It seldom gets most people in trouble. But on those rare occasions, When the talk moves to action, we find the story of Peter and John repeated because people get mad. You know, it's your work if you really promote Christ, if you really promote the Christian way. Sure as as the world, some people will come up and say, hey, we don't want you talking about that anymore. We don't want you proposing that here at work. Maybe the same thing happens at your neighborhood meetings. 
Maybe the same thing happens in your club. Maybe the same thing happens with the people that you usually eat with. You start pushing Jesus, and they uh, get offended. And they start pushing back and pushing against you. There's a lot of difference between words and action. When the action starts, uh, that's when some people revolt. An Irish Catholic priest learned one of his parishioners, a very old man, a very wealthy man, was just about to leave all of his money to Columbia University. Concerned that the money would not go to Catholic causes, the priest went to see uh, the old man. The old man said, Father, I never got an education. I dropped out of school in the sixth grade. Yet I've lived most of my life in the shadow of this university. My house is right next to the campus. I've watched it over the years, and I feel like I'm a part of it. I don't have any children. I don't have any close relatives. And I'd like to give all my money to that university. The priest said, well, of course, uh, uh, we'll go along with any of your wishes. Of course, as you know, Columbia is not a Catholic school. Although that shouldn't be your only criterion. However, I am surprised that you are in favor of the kinds of things that go on at that school. The old gentleman said, What do you mean, Father? The priest continued, At Columbia, all the boys and all the girls share the same curriculum. And the old man said, No, no, they don't do that, do they? He said, Yes, yes, they do that. Uh, He says, as a matter of fact, the boys and girls actually matriculate together at that school. The man responded, Father, I had no idea that was going on there. I didn't know they did that. And what's more, the priest added, I have even heard stories about the young girls having to show their thesis to their professors. Stop, the old man said. Stop, stop. I don't want to hear any more about that. Please, I don't want to hear any more of that. I'm going to leave all my money to the church. Well, you know, when words move to actions, you know, something obviously happens. Christians can talk about reaching out to the down and out. And from, they can talk about it from now till doomsday and live peaceably and untroubled. But once they begin to promote that as legislation in the state legislatures, in the national government, when they start doing that, they run into a stone wall of opposition. The very fact that Christians now get into so little trouble on account of their religion, it makes us wonder how much of what we're doing is just talk and not action. New ideas always make enemies, and the men who promote them invariably get into trouble. In the case of Peter and John, they healed a lame man right out at the front door of the temple, right there in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. They talked about Jesus, who was to be their Lord and Master. They talked about Jesus coming into their heart. They talked about living a new way of life, 
loving your brother, forgiving those that have offended you, standing by those who have been hurtful and harmful. They talked about all of that over and over again. They said, you know, uh, some crucified our Savior, but God raised him from the dead, and that in him there is life and joy like you have never had before. Good talk, some of them said. Just harmless, that's just harmless. They're not bothering anything. But uh, the unimaginative listeners listeners just uh, put up with it. They didn't say much. But then, guess what happened? People started following Peter and John. He was talking about something totally new. As Peter preached, as John witnessed, People were changing over. People were coming out of the temple to be with Peter and John. And, of course, the leaders of the temple saw what was happening. And they didn't like it when anybody said, let's go outside. Let's go outside where God is operative in our world today. Well, inside the temple, the old rites and the old ceremonies were being fastidiously performed. Outside the temple life, it was being renewed in a wonderful way. Things were changing. Hearts were being redirected. Destinies were being altered. No wonder the people were so thrilled and the authorities were so terrified. Let's go outside, people were saying. You know, there needs to be an element of that in every message that we preach in the church. We need to come to church and be inspired. And we hope and pray that every Sunday that happens with every person that's here. Every week we come and hopefully as we're in a Bible study class with other believers, we learn more about the Bible and more about what the Lord would have us to be and to do. Every week we hope that we grow in faith and we grow in community with other believers. We make new friends that are godly, godly people. All of that uh, going on. And then we encourage folks to go outside. To get with the people that are in the Kansas club with you or the Minnesota club with you or they're in the Uh, ball team with you or they're in the eating group that you're a part of or they live in your homeowners association as we go outside knowing what we know being exposed to the word of God we do need to go outside and give that message to those that haven't heard it you say well everybody's heard no they haven't you know about uh, I've heard this from a number of people I don't know whether it's right or not About a third of the people in our immediate area go to church at least occasionally. About a third. Well, you know, that's not very good. And if we can go outside and can take the message, that would certainly help. And that would certainly be a blessing to God's work. Nowhere is there more vivid contrast between official religion and real religion. Official religion was encased in a beautiful, beautiful building, a magnificent building. 
It was fortified by the roof and the walls and protected by its porticos. Real religion was on the outside. It was out on the steps where men and women were struggling with the problems and pains of day-to-day existence. Over and over again, that has happened. It happens in our day to our neighbors. While the established church, as happened in the Church of England for many, many years, they pursued their quiet life within the gray stone walls of great Gothic buildings. John Wesley, at the same time, was with his followers, and they had gone outside. And they were trying to deal with the issues that people were fighting for in the living that they wanted. The children were struggling for an education, and the people were thirsting for the love of God. And John Wesley and his followers went out and ministered to those people, and a tremendous revival and awakening spiritually swept across the land. Jesus himself was forced out of the synagogue. You know that. He was forced out, so he said, well, let's just go outside. And that's what they did. And guess what? They reached the populace. They changed the face of the earth forever. That message is still being preached on this day at some particular hour around the clock. And millions and millions and millions of people are hearing the gospel preached. And they are being encouraged to go outside and to touch people's lives for Jesus. Does this mean that we ought to tear all of our churches down? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I mean. It does mean that religion is always in danger of becoming a purely indoor affair. Divorced from the life of the people, uninterested in anything except the own, their own precious routine that was going on inside the rites and the ceremonies. The way to fill the churches, oddly enough, is to get people out of the churches. You know, if we want to have overflowing crowds in both of our services, the way to do that is for us to go out and share the wonderful, beautiful, happy message of Christ. In other words, the way to strengthen us, to strengthen us, is to take the message that we have learned within these walls that we have been taught, that we know, and that we can share. To go out and do it. Not in the sense of street quarter preaching, uh, however effective some people feel that might be, but in the sense of bringing Christianity to bear upon the problems with which men and women are laboring in our day. Let the idea demonstrate itself in action. Not just in words. Let the world see a few resurrected individuals. We have been raised to walk in the newness of life. Not in the old way. In the new way. A new idea. A new savior. For those that live next door to you and to me. It may get some people in trouble. But it certainly is wonderful for the folks that are changed. Silver and gold, Peter and John didn't have. They just didn't have any. Uh, They had the abundant life. 
which was wonderful. They had the power that the Lord had given them, which was unbelievable and was wonderful. We in our timid hearts cling to the silver and to the gold in order to ensure, we think, the life and the power. History warns us, however, that it's always the other way around. How far dare Christianity trespass into the sacred precincts of established thought? If there's an established thought about something, are we going to go against it? I hope so. I hope so. I hope in every crevice, in every hallway, in every room, in every building where we go, we can take the sweet, sweet story of Jesus and his love. Will we dare trespass into the domain of economic relationships? I hope so. You know, I'm real proud of our church and the number of those boxes that we sent to children all over the world so that we could have a ministry to them and help them, and and bring a day of real joy in their life when they're sitting there opening their own box and finding all these strange things in there. You know, sometimes the people that get those boxes, they don't know what to do with some of the things in there because they've never seen them before. My wife ran a home for wayward girls for a number of years, and one year we were doing the boxes for kids around the world, and one of the girls that was at the farm came up and said, I got one of those boxes. I got one of those boxes when I lived way over where she came from. And she said, you know, I didn't know what to do with the stuff that was in that box. She said, I tried that dental floss, and it tasted so good. I thought it was just something that you put in your mouth and tasted. It tasted real good. Well, will we dare trespass into new areas, into the region of political relationships with other nations? Will we do that? I hope we will. You know, one of the things that I've always thought about and and appreciated about our government is that our Navy goes to places all over the world when there is some kind of devastation that has gone on there. When some hurricane or some tornado or some tsunami or some, uh, I don't know, some war, whatever it might be, those humongous Navy ships go in there and they take with them food for these people that have just seen their houses and their buildings just blown down. They don't have any food. They don't have anywhere to stay. They don't have anywhere to sleep. They don't have any of their clothes. They don't have anything. The storm came through and caught them. And then this big Navy ship pulls up, and they've got all kinds of food. They can feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they've got a hospital on the ship, and all those people that were hurt, they can come up and get on the ship and go through the hospital and and be healed and helped in a wonderful, wonderful way. Guess what, folks? We can be like that Navy ship. We can go to a new port every day, and we can land and do something for the people that are there that are in a sad situation in their relationship to the Lord. You know, people all over the world never forget when those big Navy ships come in. If you go next door 
and you do that kind of ministry with the folks that are there, guess what? They will never forget the wonderful blessing of your life and the message that you shared with them. There are some new words that we need to take on our mission as we go outside of these walls. We need to listen and to love and to trust and to care. New ideas for a world that is just pushing and shoving. There is a coarseness in our society. It's getting more coarse, it seems, with every passing day. If we go out into that world and listen and love and trust and care, guess what? Our message will be heard. Our new idea is a good idea. The ideas of changing hearts and changing destinies of the folks with whom we interface every day. Jesus is the Messiah, and he did come, and he came for us, not just for a few folks over here and a few folks over there. He came for everybody, and we've got to share that. We've got to come to port in that harbor, and we've got to get out and share that word with those that are there, those that have been devastated by life, those that have been knocked down and pushed over in all the pushing and shoving that's going on in our world. Today, I hope if you're here and you've never really accepted the Christ that we're talking about in your heart, that you would trust and believe in him, that you would commit your life with him and change your destiny, change your life, change your family. I hope and pray that if you're here, you've never made a public profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray you do it today. If you're here in the house today and you need a church home, a place that you can call your home base of operations for the Lord Jesus. I pray that you'll come and join with us and serve with us as we try and go out to the various ports that are all around us where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to come and join with us, the doors of the church are open, and we'd love to have you come. I'm going to stand down here in the front. If the Lord would lead you, you just slip out and slip forward during these moments. Let's stand together as we sing.